Hello everyone and welcome to the We Localize podcast where we talk about all things related to multilingual communication, content creation and the cutting edge technologies that enable brands to reach global audiences in multiple languages. Today I'm joined by Chris Grabitz who is We Localize's Chief Innovation Officer and we'll be exploring how much people can start to trust generative AI and content creation whatever the language, and just have a chat about the current state of accuracy and integrity in generative content. Hi, Chris. Hey, Louise. Thanks for having me. Chris, you've been working with innovation strategy at We Localize for well over a decade. Now we're witnessing a new wave of disruptive technologies led by generative AI and large language models, or LLMs, as we commonly refer to them as. And it's fair to say most people have probably played about with generative AI. I know that I checked some of this podcast script using ChatGPT+, and I'm certainly starting to use it in my work. You know, you've worked, Chris, with innovation for ages, so you must be pretty excited at the moment about all the activity. You know, it's a bit like the 1990s all over again, with where we started to see the rise of the internet. So how are you feeling at the moment with the whole generative AI wave? This is more than a wave, I think. I mean, this is <laughs> this is a really, this is like a tsunami. And anybody who's in content <laughs> services is inside of the middle of the tsunami with not understanding, you know, how big of a flotation device do we need? It's interesting to see, will it be interesting to see where this goes? And I think one thing that I always remind myself of and, and people that I'm speaking to is it's this is very new. This technology became publicly accessible last fall, winter. There's lots of conclusions kind of being drummed up around it, but it's still very much in its infancy stage, even with how exciting the features are today. And, and so a lot of speculation as to you know, where this might go. And, and yeah, absolutely. I remember receiving my first email in the early nineties and that was pretty cool, but <laughs> I hadn't, you know, had no idea. Nobody knew what the internet was going to be at that point in time. Yeah. Now we can't live without it. I mean, for the listeners out there, can you give your take on a basic understanding of the topic? What is generative AI to you? So it is in large language models are a form of, of artificial intelligence. The difference, and we've all used chatbots in the past, right? And they've been somewhat yeah. limited, useful, but limited. We've used Siri and, and Alexa and all those types of things. And this is, is another form of that. What's unique with large language models, as we know them now, with um, whether it's OpenAI or BARD, it's the size of the model itself. I mean, these, these, in building and developing these models, they've basically consumed all digitally available data, trained that data, and, and make it accessible for a, a variety of use cases. And that's what's been most shocking is just the size. And as a result of the size of those models, it creates all sorts of capability with natural language. Then mm -hmm. that's unique. So I think the big question and the, the reason we're here to talk about, the topic we're here to talk about, it's centered around trust and whether individuals and brands can trust the integrity and the accuracy of generative output in any language. And you said before, you mentioned, you know, we're dealing with a tsunami and that I know anything we talk about today, it could be out of date and it, it will be out of date within a couple of months because things are moving so quickly. But where are we today, Chris, in terms of accuracy of the content? Can people trust generative AI output? And if not, when can we possibly expect to start being able to really, really trust the output here in terms of content creation? In my experience and the experience that in our own research that we localize, it is often trustworthy, but unpredictably 
not trustworthy in certain in, at certain times. And so therefore that unpredictability makes it not necessarily suitable for many enterprise environments out there. And trust has to be calibrated with, do we envision ever using this technology without humans in the loop? And, and I think that's a destination that's pretty far away. We will continue to use humans. The, the, the question will be is how involved are humans in terms of evaluating the content that's being produced by a language model for whatever use case there may be. We have started exploring things like we have a plugin for OpenAI, and it's really just intended to be a tool that a human could use, just like a large language model is, to be able to inform, to give a, to give a signal as to what the quality may be of an output. And, and then that allows a human to work more efficiently. And of the companies out there that are producing productivity tools, whether it's Microsoft or Google, that will be injecting generative features into those productivity suites. You know, the use case is, this is to help the human just be more productive. It, it's cool. the use case today and in, in Microsoft's release video, you know, they made mention many, many times of removing the drudgery of work. And mm -hmm. so that you and I, as we're doing our daily productivity work, that we're efficient, we can become more efficient using tools like this. And so I will, will become even more efficient at the higher quality of data that's produced by the language model. But mm -hmm. I'm, for all intents and purposes, I'm going to be a human monitoring that, that data in sure. that result. The tool you refer to in Microsoft, that's Microsoft Copilot, but where our everyday tools that we have on our laptops will, will just be embedded and it'll just be as, as natural as having a spell check, presumably, and that will accelerate. And I think, you know, we've had chats before on this, Chris, that will kind of be the, the start of the next really big thing where it just becomes part of our everyday life. Yeah, within, you know, what, three or four months of the release of OpenAI, almost all major content authoring systems came out with announcements of how they would be integrating some sort of generative feature set into, into their environment, whether it's Adobe or Salesforce or Canvas or Microsoft or Google, which means, and this is you know, that tsunami and, and the adoption curve on this is that most people will have access to these tools in the next 12, 18 months. So they'll start using these tools and it'll become part of our everyday way that we do work. Yeah. Basically turning content creation workflows on their head, really, because it'll just be a different model, right? Yeah. Many, many people suggest that we will become less content creators and more content editors. We're using the tool and that's where the human is in the loop. And so, you know, the notion of trust is a valid, very valid topic that you know, I think will be a speed bump to some extent in terms of adoption in enterprises. Yeah. But it'll be the efficiency of the human, you know, and, and the different types of tools as the content, the models get better and the tools get better. We will, you and I will just become far more productive. Let's talk a little bit about machine translation. Um, obviously, that's especially neural machine translation. It's it's used all over in a lot of our clients' programs and, and all over the, the language industry. How would you say that the output from generative AI performs against NMT? And when I say NMT, I mean neural machine translation. I get asked that a lot, and there's been research on this topic. Uh, and I don't know if that's the right question. I think it might be kind of like comparing a red apple to a green apple. It's what's, <laughs> what's happening is there's a machine that is generating translation, right? 
a machine translation means something very specific, but it, we can either use NMT technology or large language model technology. Yeah. The outcome is machine generated translation or machine generated content. The way that they do it is very different. And depending on what your input is, could be different as well. On a large language model, as you know, you could put in a prompt and um, asking it to produce some content and out comes content. And then you can say, you know, please do that in Spanish. In machine translation, in MTs, you have a source and it's processing that source against a trained engine, typically. The tech itself is, is somewhat different. You know, it's widely um, written about that NMTs are, you know, perceived to be more accurate, whereas a language model will have a much higher level of fluency. And, you know, the quality is the thing we hear about hallucinations that, you know, yeah, because it's, yeah. it's, it's emphasizing fluency and quality, if it can't figure out exactly what a specific detail is, it'll just make something up. That sounds good. And yeah. so it'll read really well, but it could be completely wrong. Now, you know, that's a little bit of fear, uncertainty, and doubt, because as we get uh, more sophisticated with the way that we fine tune our own models, how we design the input and the sequence of inputs, the hallucinations will become less and less. I mean, that's not an unsolvable problem over time. And I also think in the, in the future, there's going to be use cases for both, where for certain content types, LLMs will have adoption that's sooner than later. Yeah. And other content types, because of the importance of accuracy yeah. and comparing a source to a target, NMT will be a better technology stack. Yeah, I mean, I suppose for, for something like regulated content where accuracy is really important, like maybe in the legal industry, custom NMT is going to perform better than something on an LLM where maybe that's better for a more generic marketplace. Yeah, and there's regulations out there that require certain workflows and yes. Um, yes. certain human validation steps. So that will continue to be the case where it may not be a suitable technology model. Yeah. So what do you think the, the, the necessary steps are where we get to a point where people can really truly rely on generative AI and LLMs for content creation and translation? I think what I advise customers is to you know, think about their content ecosystem from the context of content types. And every company has different repositories out there and different tech stacks for different content. You, know, you have customer support content, you have technical documentation, you have marketing, you have internal communications. And some of that content is less risky. Knowledge-based articles is less risky. And it's also something that you could do maybe in the, in the past because of the expense of translating it. We haven't translated it, but maybe a language model, particularly a language model, if there has some fine tuning to it, might be okay to start testing that content in the languages that are supported. And I think, you know, we're seeing a lot of writing about marketing mm -hmm. and blog posts and things like that. And, and I think that's going to be, particularly in the, you're still going to have a human have to, you know, look Absolutely. at the content. Yeah. But if you are writing a blog post, you could use a tool to generate something that sounds pretty good. And it's still a little stiff. It still reads a little computer generated like, but I can go in and now post edit it and and make it sound pretty good. We still need the human expertise, but it's just the way in which it's applied is going to evolve, isn't it? That's the biggest thing. It's like it is this is these are designed to be productivity tools and they'll be productivity tools for original source creation. They'll also be a productivity tool for a translator. And I think those are the types of use cases and companies we should be looking at is how can we inject this technology in different places? And because of the power of the technology, it expands the, the possible opportunities. 
do you have any advice to pass on to anyone, any of the listeners out there who, who are dealing with global content or translation programs, any one piece of advice? I think the most important thing is to start using the technology, using it for personal purposes. I use it. It's really good at summarizing. And so yeah, if there's, great. you know, long articles, I'll have it summarized into bullet points, you know, and it's like, it is kind of funny. I've listened to people talk about how this is going to exponentially increase the volume of content that we have. And I think it's a bit ironic that we already have too much content. I, in my opinion, <laughs> that, you know, and if LLMs are going to exponentially increase the volume of content, but now I'm going to be relying upon an LLM to summarize all that content for me yeah. uh, because you just can't process it all that. I think the biggest thing is for folks and I tell customers is identify little experiments, little use cases where you can test either content creation or content translation and just, you know, start becoming creative. Like, how could I use this? Um, where Where is it suitable inside of, of my organization or my function? Yeah. We know that the technology is going to change very quickly. In three months, it will be better. And then six months, it's going to be even better. The more comfortable we are and the more we start thinking about how we can use it and apply it to our business today, as it does become enterprise ready or at the level where we're, we're comfortable with it, we'll be already mature in our mental models of how to use it. To your point, it, it is great at summarizing large pieces of content. And even when it hallucinates, which I think is a great way of describing um, sometimes what happens with chat GPT, it is definitely going towards being a productivity tool. It's it's certainly not replacing humans, right? Absolutely. And I guess like we'll see it inside our, on our desktops in most of our tool sets in the next 12 to 18 months as those companies are building out safe integrations with whatever foundational model they're using. Lots of things to look forward to. So, uh, Chris, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. It's great to hear your take on things. And, and I'd like to say good luck with the rest of this tsunami that you're dealing with and kind of working with the teams on the whole generative AI tsunami. <laughs> thanks very much for joining the podcast, Chris. All right. Thanks. Thanks.